to bring God's kingdom, brilliant, okay, to bring God's kingdom here where we work, where we are placed in our families here on earth. Amen? Amen. Amen. So it's within this context that we're now going to go on to a slightly different subject, but still in the same context, I mean the same um, sort of um, theme, and we're going to be looking at goals. Um, out of, you know, culture is basically provides an environment, but goals are very specific. Goals are very specific, and we're going to be looking at the goals that we believe that God wants us to really focus on over the next few um, years. I think two to three years? 2023? Two years, yeah. Okay, excellent. So, uh, very specific. Goals are important because they help us to be focused, they help us to direct our energy in the right place, they help us to know what we pray for, what we focus in terms of when we are praying, when we are just seeking God, um, they, they, are, they are very, very um, centered on, on, I mean, they are very focused, so they help us to really be focused as well. Um, Paul the Apostle said this concerning his ministry, um, you know, he said, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Um, so Paul, again, was very, very goal-centered, goal-focused, um, and so should we. I don't know if anybody here has personal goals. Anybody with personal goals? Very specific? Yes? Yeah, what's your personal goal, if you don't mind sharing? In your football career? Super, that's a good one, okay? Yeah, good. Very, very centered, eh? Football, this is what I want to be. Um, I have a personal goal, actually, this year. I want to do 1,000 kilometers. I want to walk 1,000 kilometers in the course of this year. Um, so by the time I hit um, December, I need to be at 1,000 kilometers. So I have a little tracker in my phone, so whenever I walk, I'm basically tracking um, to see how far I get. And that helps me, that helps me to see where I am, that helps me to see where I need to improve, when the opportunities to walk, I have, you know, I can focus on that and say, okay, this is adding on to my overall goals. And I'm sure for many of you also, there are very specific things that you want to accomplish or achieve in the course of this year. So for KIC Lobor, as a community, as a community of believers, there are five things that we have kind of zoned in and we've prayed through and we've centered on and we've said these are the areas that we would like to focus on. Uh, one centers around commitment, and that's what I'm going to be preaching on this morning. Uh, we're looking at getting 200 committed people in this church, committed people. And we're going to talk about what that looks like, what that feels like. Um, let me just run through the rest. We're looking at 100 testimonies, um, testimonies in terms of what is God doing in your life, the things that God is doing in your life. We want to really highlight this and focus on bringing through the, the, the things, the way God is glorified himself in your life. We want to be able to actually identify this. So we are targeting 100 testimonies over the course of the next two years. Um, 20 small groups, those missional groups, um, so groups where we can work together and be together and um, pray together, learn together. Uh, we are going towards a target of 20. 50 leaders. Okay, and again, we're going to study what that is like in the next few weeks. But we're looking at 50 leaders, leaders of youth, of worship, etc., over the next few years. And then in terms of our resources, we, we intend, we target to be 100% resourced. So wherever our needs are, we want to be able to actually meet those needs. So those are the five areas. And we shall go a little bit deeper into each of them. 
um, over the next few weeks. But today we're going to start with just one, and that is commitment. 200 committed people um, in this church, people who are committed. Okay, so what does that look like? Let's define and let's understand what commitment is and what commitment is not. Okay? So biblical commitment, by the way, um, I'm going to obviously take this subject in the sense of biblical commitment. Biblical commitment is total surrendering of your life to God in response to what God and what Jesus has done for you. It's good. It is in response to what God, what Jesus has done for you and what he continues to do in you, what he what is promised to do for you as we go ahead. So this is very important. That second part is very important because it's not just about me surrendering in my life, but it's I'm responding to something that God has already done. That's very key to commitment. Okay? Um, commitment, first of all, is inward. It's a heart issue. It really is. It's a heart issue. It's about what is in my heart. And we should be careful that we don't mix commitment with activities. Okay, that's very, very important. Yeah. Although we're going to measure this, um, this particular area, commitment, in terms of the activities, the people who are praying, the people who are in small groups, people who are giving, but actually that is not, that's really the result of commitment. Commitment starts with the heart and is driven from the heart. Good. Okay? So if you see, for example, you know, if you see a brother or a sister in church who is always busy with church activities, church meetings, going to fellowships, is always in overnights, fasting, praying, it might be a bit, you know, you might think, hey, this is a very committed person. But are they? It's really the heart, the, the heart that tells it. Um, in, in our business, I mean, <laughs> Rory, Rory talked about our fishing business, so in case you've never heard about it, um, yes, I'm in fishing business, um, so you hear a lot of fishy stories from me, um, so bear with me, but I, I think it's the major occupation in heaven, a lot of the pioneers of heaven are fishermen, so um, if you don't like fish, tough, um, it's a good thing, very nutritious, so, you know, we, in the course of, of course, raising our business and so on, we employ people, and we, sometimes you come across workers, you, somebody who you hire, and this person initially is full of, you know, they're very active, they're very energetic, you tell them to do something, they do it, etc. Um, and we've had an experience where, you know, and I remember this particular one worker, this guy was really good, he was employed, we hired him um, from the time that we started off the business, um, and he would do what he was told, he, was, he had a lot of initiative, but one day he just packed and left. He didn't tell us any reason why, he didn't give any explanations. We tried to call him, tried to reach his family. After many, many months, we, we finally got through to, to, to him. He found out he had started another business somewhere else and he had gone off and done something else. So um, the issue is, was he committed from the heart? He was very active, but the way he just abruptly left, you know, there's ways to leave, but somebody just abruptly leaves with absolutely no explanation, nothing at all and goes. That's not the kind of commitment we are looking at. Um, so, um, commitment really is a hard issue. Now, true commitment, like I said, will result in activity. True commitment results in obedience. But it really, really is a hard issue. It's like faith. faith. True faith will result in works. But works and faith are not the same. So, it's the same thing. Now, commitment, there's a picture in the Bible that I want us to spend some time on, uh, or a few minutes on that really brings across this um, 
and this is the story of Martha and Mary. Martha and Mary. If we can go to Luke chapter 10. Sorry, I didn't bring any slides, but uh, hopefully we have our Bibles. Hopefully, but if not, we, do, uh, we can share so as I read. Eh? Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. Okay? So as I read, just, just compare what these two characters, Martha and Mary, um, what they are doing and where their heart is. Okay? Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. That's where I'll, I'll, I'll stop. Okay? So now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Okay? Now, let's stop there for a moment. Welcoming people into your house is a very busy activity. Um, particularly, I, I don't know, in African communities and truly, actually, even in the Eastern communities where, where this originated from. It's not just come and have a seat. It's wash your feet. It's let me get you some water and wash your hands as well. It's let me show you where to leave your sandals. It's, you know, do you like a drink? There is activity that goes into that. So the person who actually engaged with that was Martha. First of all, she welcomed him into, his, into her house. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Okay, so if you are a guest in this um, scenario, what you will see is somebody who welcomes, who moves around, makes sure everybody is, you know, is busy, uh, rather is, has a drink, everybody's refreshed. And then you will look at Mary and you see her just sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teaching. So Martha was distracted with much serving from verse 40. Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him, to Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen a good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen a good portion. So what can we learn about commitment um, in this story? Well, commitment, first of all, starts with an inner choice or decision. It's a hard issue, like I say. Jesus says it in verse 42, Mary has chosen the good portion. What have you chosen to do? Where have you chosen to focus your energies, your time, in your heart before you even go out and do or, or act accordingly? Okay, so Mary chose to sit at Jesus' feet to focus on Jesus' word. And she gave him priority in her life. She really chose to focus on him and plant his word in her heart. Mother, on the other hand, it says, is distracted with much serving. Now, distracted means she was trying to listen to Jesus. So it's not as if she was completely off. She was trying to listen, but, you know, somebody would come and say, hey, we've run out of water. Um, we need to get water. So she'd have to jump up and go and, get, and see how to get the water. Then, um, by the way, the way we put the shoes, uh, you know, so she would have to move around and see um, there are more guests coming. We need to find a place to put the shoes, etc. So there was a lot of distractions. Much as she was focused, well, she was trying to focus on Jesus and his word, but the demands of serving him were just too many. And then it led on to what normally happens when we become too active and too busy for Jesus, is you go into anxiety, worry, and frustration. And that's what exactly happened. So it, because she had taken attention off Jesus and she was focused more on the activities, she began to get anxious, worried, and afraid, and, 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 you know, and, and uh, frustrated. And so she went to Jesus with the problem. Okay? And so Jesus said, it's a matter of choice. Choose to focus on me and my word. 
So when we focus more on activities rather than on listening to Jesus, or on relationship with him, building our relationship with him, feeding into our relationship with him, then it's very easy to become anxious and worried, rather than at peace and at rest. Yeah? Now, Jesus is really our perfect example. Understand that in all this, I'm not saying that we're supposed to sit and do nothing. That's not what I'm saying. The, perfect, the person who had the perfect balance was Jesus. Um, he chose to spend many hours in prayer with God. If you see, you know, through the writings of the gospel, he would often take time off and you go and spend time alone with God, listening and attending to God. Okay? And yet, he also had a very active and busy life. He was here, he was there, he was healing, he was ministering, he was teaching, he was preaching. So on the surface, he looked really active, but the background is that he was really, really focused on the, in the heart on God. In fact, he went so far as to actually say, everything that you see me doing, I do it because I'm led by God. Okay? I only do what my father, what I see my father doing, I only do what pleases my father. And that was because he prioritized and focused time and, and spent time with the father. So he was able to guide his activities accordingly. There were some things he refused to get engaged in and there were some he deliberately focused on because of that time that he spent with the father. So commitment, when it comes to commitment, understand it's a heart issue. Don't go too quickly into activities to compensate for lack of time and fellowship with God. It must start with fellowship and relationship with God. Amen? Amen. Commitment, okay, biblical commitment is another point, is not partial. It's 100%. 100%. You can't be partially committed to God. It's 100% committed. And, you know, it's like I said, if this is a response to the way that God is committed to us. You, I, I can't be 100%, I can't be, you know, um, 80% or 50% committed to God or partially committed to God because the reality is God is 100% committed to me. His commitment towards us, towards you and me, is total commitment. Think about this. In Christ, he gave 100% of himself to death on the cross. He didn't just go halfway and stop or give up. He went right up to the cross. He didn't just half die on the cross, you know, and sort of stop, you know, everything while you're halfway to die. He literally died for you and for me. It was total commitment. He gave up his life for you and for me. And that's how, that's why I respond to him. That has always got to be the reason for my response to him, is that he did it first. He responded. Rather, he, he, gave, he gave of himself. Another example is the Holy Spirit. Um, the Lord gives us the Holy Spirit and He's committed to ensuring that the Holy Spirit is with us. His Spirit is with us always, forever. This is the promise He made to us. Not just when we're in a bad mood or a good mood. Not just when we're being good and we're sitting in church. But it's also when we're out there, we're yelling at people. Um, like yesterday, I had an incident with somebody in traffic. And the Holy Spirit didn't say, excuse me, I'm out of here until you finish your yelling scenario and then I'll be back. He was sitting right there throughout. And then later on he told me, actually, maybe you should have addressed it in this way, this way, this way. So the Holy Spirit has a 100% commitment to be with us, irrespective of what we're going through. That is total, total and absolute commitment. I want us to turn to a, a passage in Jeremiah. 
to really see the battle behind why God is really into this 100%. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 40 to 41. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 40 to 41. How are we doing with the entourage? The bridal party. Have they come? Yes. Oh, they have, huh? Okay, super. So I know where I am. Okay. So let's look at Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 40 to 41. Okay. So this passage, a bit of background into this, this is a passage where God is talking about the new covenant and the kind of relationship that he's going to set up uh, with us. This was um, prophesied through Jeremiah during the Old Testament time. So he was prophesying about what the new covenant was going to look like, what we who are now partakers of the new covenant were going to enjoy and benefit. Um, Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 40 to 41. Okay, so this is God speaking and speaking to us who are coming uh, um, into the new covenant. He says, I will make it then an everlasting covenant that I will not turn away from doing good to them. I will put the fear of me in their hearts that they may not turn from me. I will rejoice in doing them good. I will plant them in this land in faithfulness with all my heart and with all my soul. Okay? So, uh, many things you can learn from this, but I want to bring out two things. First of all, notice the number of times I will appears in that phrase. Okay? So we talked about commitment being a choice, a decision. So this is God making his commitment to us. I will make an everlasting covenant. I will not turn away from doing good to them. Isn't that wonderful? I will not turn away from doing good to them. I will rejoice in them to do them good. I will plant them firmly in this land. So wherever you are, wherever God has placed you, say, I will plant you firmly in this land. So that decision is something God makes. I mean, God makes a decision and never retracts it. It is 100% he's into it. Then secondly, notice God's commitment is from the heart. It is total commitment, like I said. In verse 41, he says it this way. And we could just jump to the phrase. He says, I will plant them in this land in faithfulness with all my heart and with all my soul. All my heart and all my soul. So it's not a bit of my heart and a bit of my soul. It is all my heart and all my soul. This is so powerful. And it explains why God is faithful to us even when we are unfaithful. Amen? Amen. So, um, as a result, you know, when, when, when you spend time and just think through this, you cannot help but respond, really, with all my heart and with all my soul. And this is why, you know, we are invited to love you with all our hearts, all our souls, all our minds, all our strength. That commandment to love God is just is a response to the fact that He already loves you with all His heart and all His soul. Amen? Yeah. The, the, the last point that I will make is this commitment comes at a cost. Commitment comes at a cost. But it has tremendous reward. It has tremendous reward. Okay? So when you choose to say yes to Jesus and no to the world, there is a cost involved. Okay, that's really the greatest commitment you'll ever make, to say yes to Jesus and to say no to the world. There is a cost, but there's also a reward. Let's look at Mark chapter 10, verse 29 to 30. Mark chapter 10, verse 29 to 30. Um, 
the cost and the reward. Mark chapter 10, verse 29 to 30. We're there? Okay. Jesus says it this way. Huh? So this is Jesus speaking. There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands. Let me pause there because many times when we read this passage, we tend to stop at this point. But read the next sentence. What does it say? And persecutions. Okay, some of you have never seen that. And persecutions. That's Jesus talking to us. In other words, following him is not free. There's trials, there's tribulations, there's tough times that we've had, there's difficulties, there's storms. All those, Jesus says it very, very frankly. In this age and in the age to come, eternal life. That's the promise. In the age to come, you shall have eternal life. So, um, from this passage, Jesus is not saying basically that you leave your family, um, you sell your property in order to follow you. That's not the essence of this passage. In fact, what he's actually saying is that commitment to him and his wife should really override all the other voices in our lives. Yes, we have mothers, we have fathers, we have family, we have all these people we consider important, um, loved friends, loved uh, family members, and they're, you know, when we give their opinions, we consider them significant, when we give their thoughts, we consider them significant. But when you compare their thoughts with God's thoughts, whose are you going to go with? So God is, Jesus is telling us through this passage that my voice needs to be the loudest voice in your mind. Amen? Amen? A committed person will take God's word and his ways to be more important than even his own thoughts and his own opinions. What are your opinions about yourself? What are your opinions about your circumstances? Your opinions about the things that you are going through? What are God's opinions about those very same things? And whose do you consider to be more important? Okay? We, talk, we talked about um, uh, uh, the fact that you know, I'm running a, a business together with uh, family, it's a family business or a fish farm business. Now, when we started this business, um, we started it and based on God's word, we believe that God had sort of pointed us towards this direction and wanted us to engage in this business. And the first few months were very exciting. Okay, when you embark on ventures by God or with God, the first few months uh, you, you go through a honeymoon. Same thing with marriage, same thing with a new job. There is a sort of a honeymoon phase, which is very exciting. We are in fishing business, life is good. Okay? And there were some good times. I mean, the very first harvest we got was so exciting. My goodness, we've actually got fish and we can actually sell it. But there were some very, very difficult times. Like I told you, um, incident of workers, they come, they go, some of them steal from you, some of them betray you, some of them do all sorts of things. Um, you order for supplies, they don't arrive, you look around, so there's no stock, there's no fish feed. All these challenges are the reality of living on this earth. And I remember one day sitting and reviewing our business performance, particularly in the early days, and you know, I was looking through this and I was thinking, my goodness, we're really putting in a lot of money into this business, but we're not getting enough out. So I sat and I looked, and you know, I almost wept. It was like this fisherman who had come back uh, from fishing and they had got nothing. So as I looked at these figures and, you know, the business statistics and so on, the Lord spoke to me in this moment of 
you know, really dangerous. And he asks me, he says, Well, Monica, are you going to give up? Very blunt question. Are you going to give up? It's actually the same question he asked his 12 disciples. If you remember, at one time, Jesus was teaching, and many of his, his disciples left him because they considered his teachings to be too hard, too complicated to comprehend. It says many of his disciples, his disciples not even his crowd, the crowds, but his disciples had left him. So he turned around to the 12 disciples and basically asked them, are you also going to leave? It's a question that we have to face in many, many of our commitments that we make. Are you going to give up? There's an answer that Peter gave to this question when Jesus asked it, and it's very revealing. It says, um, um, if you want to go there, it's John chapter 6, verse 68 to 69. John chapter 6, verse 68 to 69. And this is Peter speaking, answering Jesus. And he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed. And we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed, and we have, and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So Peter is here speaking on behalf of the twelve disciples. What is he actually saying? In essence, Peter is basically saying that Jesus' words were far, far more important than anything else that they could focus on. The fact that they were hard, they were difficult, fine, but they recognized that his word was really fundamental to their life. To their fact that you know to their to their day-to-day -day life and even life beyond. So they chose to cling to him for that very reason. Now, what about you? In your marriage, are you prepared to commit irrespective of the way circumstances are going to your spouse, even when your spouse is really not behaving as expected? What about in your job? Things get difficult. Your employer, the person you report to, is a very, very difficult person to deal with. What about in your business? When the business climate changes, like now, are you prepared to give up? It's a question that you face when you make commitments in God's, in God's kingdom. So when God asked me this question concerning my business, I thought about it and my response was, no, I'm not giving up. And do you know why? Because I remembered a word that he gave us when we started off this business. He gave us a word, and for me it was a word that was very alive in my heart. This word came from Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17. When I had nothing, I didn't know where to start, etc. This word was very important. It says, I am the Lord your God. I will teach you to profit, and I will lead you in the way that you should go. That's good. That word was established in my heart. I re-established it. When we started on the business, it was established that when I went through that downtime, I had to go back to it. Because I recognized this was the word of life. This was the word that would bring to life what was necessary. Now, every year since then, our sales have almost doubled every year. This year, we are scheduled to double our sales from last year. Never mind the business environment. And it's very, very unusual. When we say this to people, most people are like, you know, their business are basically going down. Not ours. We are set to do almost 100% Despite the shortages in food we had, the, you know, the difficulties in moving around and getting the resources to the farm, mm. etc. That was not that God had worked around that. Me. And he has brought his word to life. Mm. Amen. Amen. Give him the praise. Give him the glory. Yeah. So are we out of the water yet? Is everything perfect? No, of course not. 
Life is still difficult, it's still challenges, it's still issues we're dealing with. But my God, when you commit to Him, mm. it's amazing. It's good. It really is. So commit to Him in your marriages, in your, in, wherever He places you, in your jobs, in your businesses, wherever He has put you. Commit to Him, but be established in Him first and foremost. Then the challenges that come can be you can work around the, around those with Him. Mm. So commitment may be costly, but it's definitely a reward. One other scripture, another scripture, there's several that really God has established in my heart for this journey, but there's one that I want to also bring up, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. This is also so, so fundamental. It says, let us not lose heart in doing right. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not lose heart in doing right. Because in due time, at the appointed season, we shall reap if we do not give up. We shall reap. We shall reap. Not just we shall barely cover our cost. We shall reap. Reap means abundant harvest. If we do not give up. That is, the, that is really the reward for commitment. Amen? Amen. So um, as I come to the end of this uh, teaching, um, our goal here at KSU is to have committed members. We want to have brothers and sisters in this community of believers who are committed to following God and His ways and direction in their lives and whose commitment is visible in the choices they make, in what they do, wherever God places them. Okay, this is how commitment shows itself. The choices you make, what you do, wherever God places you, it will be evident. Okay? Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 Okay, so let's rise to our feet.